Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here with you as we talk about financial markets, investing, retirement, taxes, estate planning, insurance, yeah, everything related to the overall financial planning. Our our objective is to help you make wise choices with your dollars to get to a point in life where work is a choice and not an obligation. And my co-host and I, we both we spend uh, our weekdays helping people like yourself plan for their financial future. We broadcast on the weekends to be your advisors on the air. Glad you are with us today. And, uh, it's just not only Scott and myself, but there's a team of uh, 81 advisors that works with people like you throughout the right. United States. And yeah. So. That's right. We have a good team. I must say we do have a good team. Yes. Fortunate. Very fortunate. Anyway, um, if you want to be part of our program, I'd love to take your call to join us. It's 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. We'll get you on the program. And before we go to the calls here, we've I think most of us have seen those n- numbers where roughly half Americans pay no income taxes. I think for 2020, because of the pandemic, like 60-some-odd percent of Americans paid no federal income taxes. Yes, it was over 60%. Yeah, pay no federal income taxes. Yeah. And, and probably 30% are in a lower only, bracket. It, it not only didn't pay federal income taxes, got some sort of a benefit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From. But if you think of what, the, what percentage of Americans are in the higher tax brackets, 20%. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, that's why I'm bringing this up. Okay. Because it's going to have an impact. If not for you, for a family member of yours or a good friend of yours. Or your most, especially your children that are young and new into the workforce. So uh, the Roth IRAs came out, what, 20 years ago or so, a little over 20 years ago, named after Senator Roth. It's one way to get your name remembered. You have a retirement vehicle named after you. The or Roth a court IRA. case. <laughs> or a court case. Yeah, you don't want to know that either. Um, uh, so... Roth IRAs came out. Then we saw Roth 401ks. So employers started to say, instead of on a pre-tax basis, you can use the Roth. You don't get the tax deduction today, but it grows tax deferred. If you leave it to retirement and follow the rules, it's going to be all tax-free for your retirement. So today, roughly 75% of U.S. corporations, uh, actually 75% of 401k plans in general, offer a Roth option. So the lower your taxable income, and if you believe your taxable income will be higher in the future, this is especially good for you to use a Roth option. But only about a quarter of investors take advantage of using any sort of the Roth. Even though 60% of the population pays no federal income tax. Right. So... So, if, by the way, if you're a, a married combined income under 100000 you're in a lower tax bracket. You should be using a Roth. And it's a very, they're graduated tax, very progressive. So there's some incomes tax at nothing. Then it's a, some incomes tax at 12%. Then it jumps to 22%. That's that delta. That's, you can even use a Roth and non-Roth of course. option in the same 401k and or IRA if you're eligible. But it's it's amazing to me to see that people still have not switched over to the Roth. And what what do you think the reason is? Inertia, in lack of education. Inertia, lack of education as to how it works. And you almost it, it, employers have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in their employees' best interest on these retirement plans. You almost would think that they have a fiduciary responsibility to educate them and to make a recommendation on which, uh, they sh- what they should consider, at least educate them to the point so they can make their own decision. Well, we put, we put you get invitations to our own company's uh, 401k lunch and learns. Yeah. Have you been to one? Never. Have you? No, I have not. I mean, I like the free lunch. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to learn. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's true. I wonder how I don't well think it's designed for us. I know, but I wonder My how guess. well it's attended. 
I don't know, but they're not designed for the No, I understand that. We <laughs> Let's under- see if the founders will show up <laughs> Let's and see. learn how these things work. Co- correct. But I wonder if even in our own business, we have a fiduciary obligation to our employees. In and our we're, in, own we're in the retirement business, so hopefully our Yes, maybe we are a little bit further. But give so if you're contributing on a pre-tax basis now, give some consideration to what things could look like. And just you can go run the numbers. I mean, take your last year's tax return. If you if you have an accountant, have them change. Say, hey, if, instead of putting in that 10000 last year, pretend like I only put in 8000 What would that mean? Difference. And that tells you exactly what your tax rate, your effective tax rate is on those dollars. Then you can make a judgment for yourself. I'm like, you think I'll be in a higher tax bracket than 12% federal in the future? And you can make those determinations. But particularly for younger people. Oh, absolutely. Put the money in the Roth. Yeah, my my children and my children's friends oft, oftentimes will ask me to allocate a 401k for them. And then I always tell them, and put it in the Roth. Put it in the Roth side. Yeah. Thank you for that. There we go. All right. Well, let's go to the calls then. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're talking to Ame. Ame, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi. How can we help you, Ami? All right. So uh, I had a question which I had posted on the forum, uh, but I'm trying to uh, save money, set aside money for my children's education. Uh, they are young. They are four and seven right now. And uh, five to nine plan is, is like an uh, obvious choice with uh, college saving and the tax benefits with it. But uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who also recommended something which is called as IUL or uh, universal life insurance, as I understand it, with uh, or indexed life insurance, I'm sorry. And he asked me to consider that as an option as well, where uh, it's not only for college saving via borrowing from the plan, but kind of a lifelong saving vehicle. So my question is, uh, which one could be better? Uh, I mean, uh, it obviously depends on the plan, but in a typical scenario, considering the fees associated with an IUL versus the benefits or uh, like the like the tax savings and uh, no fees associated with a 529 uh, plan like which one would you recommend i should choose for saving for my children's uh, education as well as future in general so uh, there's a couple things how old are you i i am 41 okay so um, the 520, the, the short answer to the question. I wouldn't recommend an, in, an index universal life insurance to anybody. I just pro- don't understand probably, why. Pro- I don't see the benefit other than that they can be sold. Probably any under, any, any under, any under. I can understand the, the a variable universal life insurance. But okay. why in the world would you want a indexed life insurance yeah, because you, uh, it, by its very nature, it's a long-term investment. <laughs> right. So why you why do you need the hedge? The, you yeah. got insurance on insurance. It's like belt and suspenders. So the answer to your question is the five twenty nine, and and the five twenty nine, by the way, is not fee free. There is a fee. Even index funds have a fee. Any investment has a fee. The does question, your friend, by the way, does your friend sell life insurance? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and by the way, so in full disclosure. When Pat and I both started with a national life insurance company, they, they, they marketed themselves as being big financial planners, and they really were back in the day, but this is, we're talking 30-some years ago. And so we, we both cut our teeth in this industry at life insurance companies, and here's what ends up happening, right? So these, comp- these insurance companies that might own, have all these financial advisors work for them, they have a financial incentive to sell their product. So all of the education and training that we received – which I'm sure is still very similar today, is all the wonderful benefits of these products that they manufacture. And they don't, you don't have the same education of all these other products and how they might actually be better than the products that were manufactured from these insurance companies. Right? So you might, your friend might really believe strongly that this, this indexed universal life insurance product is the best vehicle for college education. And I would counter that with saying he's probably not educated in a lot of other areas of finance because if you talk to, you line up 100 certified financial planners and ask them 
Who, how many of them believe that an indexed universal life insurance is superior to the 529 plans? You might get one or two out of 100. So the, the 529 plan is the appropriate place for you to put the money. Now, in saying that, you, you may have a need for life insurance as well. But those are two separate things. One is a college funding plan and the other is a mortality plan. And so it would make sense for you to actually do an analysis of how much life insurance you use and need and then buy a term insurance policy, inexpensive, nothing that carries a cash balance. So here is the only time that cash balance life insurance policies would come into play ever is if all of your savings was set aside for your safety, right? Backup emergency money. Mm -hmm. Your kid's college education was fully funded, right? You had ample dollars uh, liquid in investments. You were maximizing your 401ks, IRAs, or any other tax-deferred vehicle. And then, and only then, and only then. A permanent life insurance. A permanent life insurance policy. And if I were to buy a permanent life insurance. It wouldn't be an indexed one. And even then. And when you say index, it's not that we wouldn't invest in, say, an S&P 500 index fund, because that would make sense. It's it's these index, they're like equity index annuities. It's the same concept that works in these insurance products. They're equity index. Which means you only get a certain right. participation in the marketplace, and they tell you that you've got downside because of how these things are structured. What they don't tell you is that you're missing out on dividends and many other benefits of actually right. being a long-term investor in the U.S. stock market. So the answer to your question is absolutely not on the universal index life. And by the way, when they talk about how you could borrow money out of it in the future, you take your withdrawals out first in, first out, FIFO, and then you get to borrow your money out. Guess what? You can do the same thing on just about any, any, any product. Any product. So um, it, 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 and they're very, very expensive. So Max, make sure you have enough term life insurance. I would buy with a four-year-old. I'd buy 20-year level term. I'd make sure I had enough there. And then I'd put money into my 401k IRA. And then after that, I would fund the 529 plans. Perfect. I think this was very helpful. Thank you. Very Thank good. I appreciate All right. that. And I hope you stay friends with your life insurance friend sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will, but I will not get the IUL. <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a... a there is a place, not not. I don't think there's. A I place own for a variable universal life insurance policy that I bought in mid '90s, so I've had it 25 years. It's done extremely well for me, and for a couple reasons. And there's second reasons. It's very important. First reason is there's stock funds available to me. I'm not an index thing. I mean, direct stock funds, so I can invest in these funds. So I've been aggressively invested over these years because very long investment. <laughs> But the second thing, maybe even more important, is this was a contract that was designed just for people that were in the financial services industry where they, the company stripped out a lot of their costs. So the fees were much less expensive for me than it would have been for anybody else. I think it was a way that this insurance company was trying to entice people um, to use their product, which I ended up buying one for myself but not recommending it to others. Um, and, and the reason I, that just sounded bad by stating that. But the reason it, at that time it made sense, I was maximizing my re co corporate retirement plans. I was funding my 529 plans. I had just your thing. I was all in those situations, and I had a, I had a need for long-term um, um, uh, life insurance. Young kids at the time. Still young kids. <laughs> um, and... And so it, it made sense for me, but I also maximized the funding of it. So I put in as much as I could. I got this, whatever I wanted to invest, I had the minimum amount of, of life insurance for that. You, you maximized it to the modified endowment contract limits. Right, just under that limit. Which I, actually, so I, look, we understand how these things work. Yeah, we, we, yes, we understand how they're constructed and how to use them. But I don't think it's I've recommended very, very, one for more than 20 years. No, but I've run into them. But sometimes, but the, and there's a place for a whole life, it typically on estate planning issues. Yeah. But there, you, sometimes just a whole old-fashioned whole life insurance might be a, a better benefit than these index. Yeah. And they, they are used in estate planning quite a bit, but that's a completely different story. Yes, and, and, and when, your limits, when your net worth is over $26 million, then you could discuss how to use these for estate planning if you're married. And if you, to your point is, if you're not, it's half that, the limit's half that amount. Thank you.
<laughs> so, <laughs> that just sounded kind of weird. Uh, eight, uh, 833-99-WORTH is the number here. We're talking to Kim, and you're somewhere driving on an interstate, it says there. I don't know what that means, but Kim, welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. Good afternoon. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? We're wonderful. How can we be of assistance today? Um, my mom um, recently passed, and I'm going to be coming into a fairly large amount of money. And I am terrified. Um, uh, I shouldn't say I'm blue collar, but I mean, I've owned my own business for the last 30 years, but um, I don't know what I need, a financial advisor or a planner. Um, And how would you know? how to pick a good financial yeah. advisor. It, and you, um, it's, you should have a little concern and be a little nervous about this because, um, first of all, I'm sorry about your mother passing away, but when we come into kind of a windfall, whether it's through an inheritance or winning the lottery or happen to work for some startup that makes it huge, um, it's, it's easy to make uh, poor choices in part because oftentimes we haven't had an experience uh, over the years of dealing with sizable investments. We haven't learned from our mistakes over the years. Uh, we haven't learned what the markets can do over long periods of time. We tend to be very re- reactionary to short-term movements because they, they feel new to us. And especially in inheritance, there's oftentimes lots of emotion tied to it which is, you know, my mom and dad worked hard their whole entire life and they never spent anything. And so when we talk about- and I'd it, rather have my mom than the money. It, it, there's, there's no question. When we talk about uh, a sizable amount, what is a sizable amount? Um, over a million. Okay. And do you have any debt? Very little. It totals about 39000 And do you own a home? No. Okay. And how old are you? 66. And you still working? Yeah, I own a semi. I own a truck. And do you, oh, okay. do you plan on retiring at some point in time? I hope so if you're a truck driver. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> She's 89 driving down the highway. <laughs> I hope so. The blinkers, For certain the, professions, yeah. The right blinkers going constantly. Um, That's terrible. Where would you want to retire to? Well, my daughter and I kind of have a plan. She is very independent. And she doesn't want to get married and doesn't want children. And we're from this, the most beautiful little town in Southern California. And I would like to buy a home there that would be for her. And my son's married. He already owns a home. But it would be their legacy, you know, once I pass. But I'm I totally convinced that there's no way you put all that money into one home. Oh, how I mean, how much would a home in this well, little yeah. town cost? <laughs> Southern California, I mean. Minimum minimum we're looking at 6 687 minimum. And what other assets do you have? Um $189,000 truck. Um that's about it. Any money set aside in retirement accounts, retirement plans of any sort? Um, I have Or do you have uh, a union a pension plan? Lot. No, I have a personal Roth that I've contributed to over the years. It's about fifty thousand, and then I have some investments in an investment group of about fifty thousand. But that's about it. And then I'm collecting my Social Security. And how much do you earn at your job being self-employed? Um, I gross about two hundred and twenty thousand a year. What, what What do you net? What, what do you get to um, tend, take home after you pay for all the expenses and? Yeah, well, that's going to be a good one because I'll have my truck paid off this year, so that's thirty thousand more in my okay net. So around seventy-eight thousand. Okay, so here's one of the things that I would question. So here, I'll answer your question about how to find a good advisor. You'll find a good advisor if they actually ask you lots of questions about you, and not go to the, the product. Right, because this money has an objective, um, and the objective is a life reset for you and a stable retirement if you if this is done correctly. And if the right. advisor, 
I, we're assuming that's the objective. That sounds like. I now, know. do I want an advisor or a planner? They're 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 essentially interchangeable. You want a certified financial planner. Yeah, but there's good. Yeah, you want a CFP. Um, that's the the base. But there's great financial advisors there that have you know CPAs or CFAs. Okay, fair or enough. There's other you there's know, other there's designations. CHFCs. All right, that has a has been doing this a while and has a designation. It's kind of a minimum. It's a minimum. So, so when they have you, the education, they've so, taken the time to educate themselves. But, but yours isn't that complicated, right? Your, yours is not that complicated. Which is, if if you were sitting in the office with one of our advisors, we would try to figure out how to buy you a home in yes. cash. Yes. First thing, boom, hundred percent. Um, and then well, I, what's that? I do need to keep working until I buy a home, right? Well, probably, but I wonder why. I I I don't know why you took Social Security at sixty six. I, I think that if if you were sitting between sixty six and seventy, if I didn't collect, there'd be about sixty thousand dollars in Social Security I'd never see. Uh, do you uh, think you have a, a, sh- a shorter than normal life expectancy? No. Okay, so th- that's one of the drivers there, right? So, because you need that money to live um, when you're retired more I than you need I might actually recommend to. suspending that until yeah, age 70. I, I would go with, thank you, I was going exactly there, whereas I would recommend a suspension on that. And maybe using, so, no, they, here, I mean, if you're, my, if you're my older sister, I'd say, Kim, here's, let's figure it out this way. Let's figure out how we get your house paid for with no mortgage, because the less money you've got going out each month, I mean, it just means all the less money you need set aside for retirement income, right? But isn't that a lot of money tied up that's not no. as a return on it? Well, the, the question I would ask isn't, no, 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 no. The people no. who talk about unleashing the equity in your home are the people who sell mortgages. I'm 58. My mortgage has been paid off for, I don't know how long, long time. I have no home mortgage either. Long, long time. When my mom was 90, she talked about being optimistic. She refinanced her condo. For thirty years, well, she didn't have us as advisors, <laughs> or, or she might have been working to see how to get her payment as low as possible. So, uh, so I can't. I think right, it, right, right. if if this this right now it's over a million dollars. There's no reason this could not set you up to where you've got some great financial stability the rest of your life. You're not going to live like a, a queen, right? I mean, but you can have great right. financial stability and. Maybe just have a part-time job doing something as opposed to being on the road all the time, which I imagine you are. Oh, I've got all kinds of things I'm going to do once I retire. And, and, I'm going to be Grandma Moses. And it, it, I don't know with this amount of money whether you're going to be able to live in that house for a $680,000 home. I think something more realistic would be the three fifty to four hundred range. But it uh, depends how big the inheritance is. I mean, this is the sort of thing that a good planner is going to go through with you. And really develop out a plan. And everything, there's trade-offs, right? So, okay, if it's $700,000 for the house, this is what it means for the rest for retirement income. And if it's 500000 or 400000 for the house, this is what it means for retirement income. Or maybe income. if your daughter's living with you, maybe you take a small mortgage and she makes the mortgage payments. And then that yeah. works that way, right? So there's Well, I was thinking of maybe being able to put down enough that the rent that she pays would same. cover a mortgage, and I would take care of everything else. In the same, house. that's same, the same concept. The, it, but, so, a good that's financial the, advisor will actually go through that scenario with you. So, start with um, someone. The, plan, the planning here is key, not the product. How you invest whatever these dollars after the home that is that's way down the road. It, truly, right now, it's really about figuring out this inheritance. How can this secure Kim's? finances so that work is not a requirement but it's something that you 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 can choose to do or not choose to do are these buzzwords with little or no risk yeah don't use buzzwords little or no risk um (laughs) everything has everything has risk anyone that offers you an annuity never speak to them again i i frankly i'm very biased towards people buying homes real estate with inherited dollars or lottery winnings, or any of those sort of things, because they don't view the risk the same as they do in other investments. Right. Like, at all. Well, I've heard speeches on annuities, so I'm kind of okay with that. 
You yeah. actually might be a candidate for immediate annuity for some portion of those dollars. But that's a whole nother topic. Anyway, Kim, we're out of time, but um, find yourself a good certified financial planner or a, a similar kind of educated advisor. Talk to a couple people, someone who's going to really help you develop out this plan. It's the planning first, but there's no reason. If you do this right, this can be a reset for you financially, plug you, putting you in a very good place uh, financially. And, um, yeah, but don't be, don't, don't buy anything without the plan. Get that plan set up first. And, and actually, so appreciate the call, uh, Kim and everyone else. We have seven personal decision point workshops running Saturday, September the 11th through the September 25th in Sacramento, Cincinnati, and Denver. Or you can attend virtually. Go to allworthfinancial.com. We answer questions just like this. Should I buy a house? Should I rent a house? Do and I have and to how retire? to think through this process. Oh. I mean, a lot of it is just really structures how you can think through it. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we continue, come back here, we'll continue on with some calls and have some more interesting financial conversation as well. <laughs> this is All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters, Scott and Pat McClain. Thanks for staying with us. Yeah. Let's uh, take some calls. Talk a little bit about money. We will take some calls. And I did see a report out. Um, Social Security will be unable to pay full benefits starting in 2034 because of the impact of the COVID-19 crisis. No one saw this according coming. According to a new report from the program's trustees. No one saw this coming. We haven't been talking about this for the last 15 years at And by all. the way, whenever I say this is a result of the COVID-19, I think, no, it's our response to COVID-19. That's right. COVID-19 didn't cause... No. no. Yeah, COVID-19, it was our response to COVID-19. Whether that was right or wrong, I'm not going to go there on this program. Uh, in my opinion, I should say I won't go there. But it's um, our response to that. So says here that uh, this is what it is. So the president and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts. I didn't even know there was such I didn't a either. thing. What, what, what do they call themselves? What do they call themselves? They meet twice a year in Vegas, and they just rip it up. The National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts. Oh, they're Vegas. Seriously, when they what? meet in Vegas, they have these conferences in Vegas. They, they turn the, the town upside down. <laughs> uh, by the way, we have no idea who this organization is. We're not intending to mock them. <laughs> but I'm joining <laughs> There, but incidentally, there are there's a number of small associations like this where you pay a fee, and the next thing you know, you're a member, and it's uh, you can put it on your business card or whatever that yeah. you're. And maybe it's a very maybe it's a fake. Well, someone actually put something out. This is we're talking about them. Well, Financial Advisor Magazine uh, interviewed them, so they must have been good. But yes, the point is, um, the way it stands now, uh, Social Security recipients will get. 78% of the benefits in 2034, unless Congress does something. Unless something has changed. Which we've talked about before. Which, and by the way, it will. Something will change. Not in this administration. Not in this congressional cycle. No. Or the next. Or the next. If you think about these kind of two-year terms of Congress, it's not going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be three months ahead of time. Kick the can. Don't you think? I mean, right now the debt ceiling. We've been, the, the, the government's been playing games with the debt ceiling for in uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, because it's always oh, the next we, crisis. Oh yeah, because they don't make any of the tax cuts. Uh, everything's got a sunset on it. Yeah. Well. So if you've listened to our show for any amount of time, as we always say, if you don't need the Social Security income to live on, take it as soon as possible. 
because you're the one most likely going to be affected by any decrease in Social Security benefits. If you need it, the Social Security benefit to live, then you probably should defer as long as possible. Yeah, which is why our last, our previous caller we had before the uh, this break was, why don't maybe consider suspending your benefits so you get a higher benefit in the future. Yeah, especially since she was making $75,000 a year. And had very little save for retirement. And most likely in retirement would not be making anywhere close to seventy five. Which is a lot of, although the, the, the retirement age for most Americans is still around age 62. But it's moving up. It's moving up, but unfortunately the ones who tend to be working uh, longer are the more educated and the wealthier, not the ones that maybe need to be. And granted, like if you're a college professor... Got some rewarding job, doesn't take any physical demands out of you. If you're a bricklayer. Very different kind of job. Yes. So, I mean, I, we clearly understand the differences on those things. But anyway, uh, 833-99-WORTH if you want to be part of the uh, program here. And let's talk with Lee in Colorado. Lee, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Pat and Scott. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Lee? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for taking my call. You've got a radio voice if... <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> 100%. You sound like you should be reading ads or something. Well, so I've, I've heard that once or twice before, but no, not in my bail look at all. Oh. So. Well, you're a smart man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what can we do for you? Well, I have a, uh, I guess maybe possibly a couple questions, but my primary one is, is I've, uh, you know, over this, this, you know, run with the stock market, my Roth 401k had gained some money and and I as you know the years have gone on I was like you know this year I uh, a couple months ago I was like you know I think I'm just going to call a little bit of that out to make it safe because I didn't know what's going to happen obviously COVID's coming around again and whatever so I thought I would uh, take a moment and you know just put some in cash and then I, I did so I took you know a Roth ahead 400 and I think four hundred twenty thousand or something like that, and I took three hundred and put it kind of put it in cash. And I know it's obviously not doing anything. And I have a I had recently refinanced my house and uh, paid off a cabin and you know some bills. And and I was trying to figure out. I was like, you know, I wonder if I should take some of that Roth money. I'm fifty nine and a half this month. I turned fifty nine and a half, I guess, um, and pay off that mortgage, and then. What's what's the mortgage balance? I'm sorry. What is the mortgage balance? The mortgage balance is 172,000. And what other assets do you and, and what's the interest My rate? first my first blush is man those, those Roths are so good. The tax benefits are so good. It's like those are the last dollars I'd want to see you spend. But well, it means the difference between you retiring and not retiring. So What do you have in other accounts? Well, I have, um, let's see, I have about 315,000 in 401ks. I have. How is that allocated? Uh, one of them is very, is all stock. The other one, about 100, and, let's see, this one is about $105,000. It's kind of in one of those uh, target date funds. Okay. okay, so it's mostly bond. Uh, yeah, and uh, I suppose. And then I have a, another one that's $210,000 that's aggressive stock only. So that's the three fifteen. That's uh, that's no. It's between the two of them. It's three fifteen total. It. Got it. And then I have the four hundred about four hundred twenty thousand. I haven't checked in a little while of the um, uh, Roth. The Roth. And then I. Uh, that's you know basically I, I have and a small have a cabin. I work for a. I have a cabin in the yep up in the mountains. I, I'm going to ask a question about that in a little bit. That I was going to at some point uh, get rid of possibly, and use it as a supplement to my retirement. Okay. What's the I cabin worth? I how to do that. Uh, cabin, well, uh, hard to say. Uh, you know, you look at Zillow or one of those places, and they yeah, but claim it's matter. about $550,000. I'm guessing, you know, 500000 minus some, you know, whatever fees I'm going to wind up paying to sell it. What do you make at your job? About 74 or so a year. Are you married? I am. And does your wife work? Uh, intermittently, freelance. And does she have money in her retirement plans, or did you include those in these numbers? Nope, she doesn't have. She has like a fifty thousand dollar Roth or no four hundred one k. I'm sorry. And when do you plan on retiring? 
um, <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> I mean, so you've already thought about this cabin. Do you use it a lot? No, it's actually a rental right now. That's the that's the dilemma I have. Is I what happened is I lived in the mountains. My wife got a job down here in the Denver area. She had graduated from school, and you know, yada yada. We had to we moved down to the Denver area, and I was my cabin was still my primary residence for about a year or so, and then we kind of moved out of the cabin and spent all of our time down here. So I how rented long goes the cabin that? out. That was like twelve years ago. Okay. Now. And and how much income does the cabin generate a year net? After expenses, and- uh, sure. not much. Net, it only it doesn't make very much. No. Uh, it's a small, you know, little teeny cabin rent. I mean, vacation rentals tend to be terrible. All right, so I'm gonna. I, I actually, I know what my answer is going to be. I want to find out what Scott Hansen's answer is going to be. Well, he, I mean, I'd like to too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if we're the same. I've, look, I've 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 worked with a number of people just like this over the years that have that big second home. Um, which actually for you, it's not even really a second home, but it's the difference between converting that into some retirement income or not can mean the difference between a secure retirement and not. Right. So, I mean, just first Correct. blush is I'd, I'd sell that cabin. And what would you do with the proceeds? I'd, well, pay off the mortgage and then um, I would, I, I would figure out the right kind of allocation. I mean, I yep. had the market taken a big dump after you took the, the pull that, that Roth out of the stock market, you would have felt like like a genius, but it hasn't, right? And statistically right, right. <laughs> statistically speaking, over the next five to 10 years, it's going to be higher than it is today, right? Would you not agree? I would hope so, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Lee, I agree with Scott. I So he, I would do exactly that. I, I wouldn't even wait to list the house. I would just list the house um, and sell it. Um, the the cabin I would use uh, any of the proceeds net of taxes to pay off. I mean, the it's mortgage. still a hot time for these sort of things, but and the Delta variant is only going to help you. Yes, in in a right. in, in the cabin. It's a vacation rental right now. Uh, no, it's actually the person who lives oh. in there works in the some county area. So she's a regular. She's been there for years now. She's, okay. she's a very consistent tenant. Okay, and I just don't charge her a whole lot because she's very gentle with the place. You know, uh, the ski. Yeah crowd can be very rough um you know it's a single family residence you might call it yeah you know it's a single family single room cab a single bedroom cabin uh so she's very gentle on it so i you know appreciate her being in it and taking care of it because it oh, yeah. it's, it a, without, it's a ski cabin for a couple families going together lee i i gotta tell you so my right. son lives in the went to denver university and lives in the denver area and when he was in college he would say oh we me and my friends rented a they, we rented a cabin, and I'd say, "Who in the right mind would <laughs> rent a college boys you a cabin?" And how many of you are going? Oh, there's only there's like eighteen of us. Right, exactly. That's why I appreciate this nice lady taking care oh, of my exactly. place because I yeah. feel like she's like I said. I go up there, it's pristine, and every time I go, and I oh, so I never worry about that's, it. And, that's worth that makes my life so much better. But yeah, but you're, it, it's costing you a lot. Yes, it's costing you. It's an asset. Yeah. So, so here, here right. is what our recommendation would be: is to, to first of all, sit down with a financial advisor, or just reallocate your your four hundred one k IRA appropriately, right? To an appropriate. Even if you're risk, retiring in the next five years or whatever, it doesn't mean you're going to spend all your money in the next five years. No, 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 absolutely not. Right. Exactly. And he's the last year. I mean, statistically speaking, one of you, one of you is going to be living in life in your 90s. So, so that move to cash right. was emotionally led? Um, well, it was, it was in some ways. I just felt like I was like, you know, I'm just going to call some what I felt was appreciation without, as I'm getting, well, you know, five there, years away from retirement, maybe. You don't, well, that, I mean, that might have been prudent. You don't want everything in the stock market. You want to make sure that when you're able, right. you don't want to be retired, right at retirement and then like, oh, crud, there's a financial downturn. Now I can't afford to make it happen. But you're not going right, to, but you right, also right, know you're not going to spend all your money. So the, 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 the appropriate thing is having the right kind of allocation over time. And so sure. as a perfect example, in our portfolios, this isn't a plug for us, good f- investment advisors <laughs> will actually fix a portfolio around an allocation and then sell off once it exceeds that allocation and buy in once it uh, is below that allocation in terms of your equity right. positions. So your right. situation here, you should not use the Roth. You should sell that cabin, 
apologize to the lady that lives there. Maybe they'll keep their renter, but most likely no they won't. Right, they um, won't. No, and, no. And, and then take the proceeds from that, pay the taxes, put it down you on— You have no problem selling a 500. It's, it's close to a ski resort? Oh, yeah, it's in Summit County, right yeah. within miles of Breckenridge and Keystone. There you go. Yeah, yeah I mean, come minutes, on. Minutes, minutes. They'll spend more than that on a condo in one of those places. Yeah, and then and – then, Oh, absolutely. So so that would be my, my recommendation, Scott's recommendation, and get an allocation. And then I, I very rarely do this, but it, it's appropriate for you that sometime between September and 11th <laughs> – very rarely. <laughs> Ten minutes ago. Not to not to an individual. <laughs> yes. No, I on the radio I plug our our workshops because I think they're valuable. But I'm actually saying specifically to Lee. Lee needs to go. It's like I came to Lee's <laughs> didn't house. Didn't you do that to Kim earlier? I didn't. I, okay. I told her to talk to. All... <laughs> you did. No, anyway, no, I didn't saying. do it on the air. I did it after uh, she hung up. Okay, I, I feel so. pretty strongly anyway. about these <laughs> workshops. So, it's a decision point workshop. There's a Scott wrote a book called "The Decision Points: A Guide to Retirement," something along those lines. So it's September 11th through the 25th uh, on one of those days, and we have them in Denver, Cincinnati, and Sacramento. If you go to allworthfinancial.com, you can register. It's worth you attending because this is the it, it's going to help you think about conceptually your retirement. And you don't want to make the mistake that you just did, right? Like I mean cuz it there's a cost there's a cost involved when we pull out of the market like that, right? So the and the cost is we don't get the gains. You just missed out on some gains. And in order to get the say 10% that the stock market's going to return or I shouldn't say going to has returned historically, we need to be in that in in all cycles and which means that yeah, we we can't afford to 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 miss out on some of those upswings. So, what I was trying to do was do this, you know, like a five year mm, allocation of cash. So if I if the market went in the toilet for five years, I could have the cash. I would take from that instead of you know stocks or bonds, which are my other accounts. And you know that was the concept. You know, it wasn't like a oh I need to pull this money because I think it's all going to go in the toilet. It was more. I need a five-year. Yeah. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah, we understand. To so, it, so, to Pat's point, go go to one of those workshops or at a minimum. Look at it online. It just kind of. I think it. It's. You need to work backwards from from retirement. I, I like the concept of having your home paid off. I hate the concept of pulling money out of a Roth IRA at fifty nine and a half. I like the concept of getting rid of that home because it's not really returning anything. No, and, it's not returning much. It's a. Yeah. Uh, you know, I keep trying to get my convince my kids to you know think, hey, let's go. They'll use it to play or whatever, and they, you know, they yeah. seem like they're, they've gotten into high school and whatever that they're just busy, and that's not a high priority in their and world. And where so, we know, where they, I mean, with with market cycles, I mean, nobody can predict the future, but we clearly know that sure. cabins in the woods by ski resorts are much more valuable today than they were a few years ago, right? Yes, <laughs> so, no, no, it's definitely has climbed dramatically in the last couple of years. Yeah, so. particularly post COVID, so it's a great time to be making a trade. So that's what we'd consider. Lee, appreciate the call and uh, wish you well. And Pat, you know, talking about home, um, home price. I mean, it it it, it it's baffling how much homes have gone up in value. So what what are the numbers? Well, Some, uh, the the last thing I read it was north of twenty percent on an annual uh, annualized basis over last year, uh, on average across the U.S. This thing I've got in front of me, the, all right. Um, well, in these three cities, it was twenty five percent in the last year. So in Phoenix, prices were up twenty nine point three percent. By the way, which which major market was hit the hardest in the financial recession? <laughs> That's good. Phoenix, <laughs> Las Vegas. Okay, Las Vegas followed Phoenix. by Phoenix. They're right. I think they're in other them. parts of Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, San Diego up twenty seven point one percent. Wow. Seattle up more than twenty five percent. On top of this is the last twelve months. The last twelve months, right? Because they had been appreciating significantly yes. before then. Yeah. Uh, index in nine cities jumped more than 20%. So uh, Portland, 19% increase. Um, Denver, up 20%. But wages aren't up 20%. Las Vegas, up 20%. Wages are down in Las Vegas. 
Miami, 20%. Dallas up 21%. Tampa, 21%. San Francisco, 22%. How much do you think this is driven by these uh, low interest rates? The 20 cities, 20 largest cities measured by S&P CoreLogic's Case Schiller. They need to buy another company. They could add another name to it. CoreLogic, Case Schiller. Uh, uh, Index rose 18.6% from a year earlier in June. The largest surge since 1988. 88. Wow. So the, <laughs> I mean, that's all. When you step back and really put this into perspective, you got to ask, what is this? What are the ramifications for our economy as as uh, at large, as well as our society? Well, so part of this increase has become because of the, the the glitch in the distribution chains and houses not being started then. So you have an inventory, right? It hasn't been keeping up with populations. A dislocation of people moving from state to state. Low interest rates. Low interest now, rates a big driver. I heard two ads last week with ads that said you can get a home loan without with stated income. And I thought... My gosh, I miss those ads. I haven't heard them you since. Can't even, before you don't the, have to prove your income. You just, here's what it is. But we haven't seen that. Since, Liar loans, they call them back. We now. didn't see this since 2007. We haven't heard those ads. Right? You haven't heard those ads. So remember the negative AM ones? Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember hearing I had a jumbo mortgage with an interest rate of 1%. Yeah. I remember calling one time. And I, I, the poor woman who answered, I don't, I think she was probably didn't really know what she was doing. And, and I kind of went off on her. Like, I, I, this is immoral. And she was kind of shocked. Like, I don't do this very often, but oh I, I was just God. so frustrated by it. I just felt it immoral. Well, the, the people that are consuming the products have some responsibility in this as well. They do. There's right? no question. Not, the people that buy index annuities and then say, I can't believe this happened. I'm like, you could have Googled index annuities. <laughs> you could have done some research on the person who sold this to you. You could have learned something about human behavior, business structures, fee structures, commission structures, all those things, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. There is some responsibility. But, but this real estate market doesn't feel like it did uh, pre-real uh, estate crisis because of how the houses are being financed. Am I wrong? No, I think, well, there's that is clearly one. Secondly, it's... I mean, there's a lot of people having second homes that people working from home now, people saying, I'm look, we have employees saying, if you make, if you make me come back into the office five days a week, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go work elsewhere. We have hired people that just said, I will take this job as long as I never have to come yes. into the office. So the workplace has changed. We all realize that. So that, that, that is, is driven up demand right there. Like I maybe I want a bigger house. But it doesn't explain why we still have price increases in the cities. Even in New York, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he was he was bought a new apartment. lived in he lives in New York part time, and he bought a new apartment. And I, this maybe like four or five months ago. And I'm like, wow, what's it like trying to sell an apartment right now? He's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe what these things are going for. Like, like like COVID never existed. Like apartment values are way back up again. This is just cash in Manhattan. It's just cash. There's just people sitting on. There's been such an appreciation in assets across the board that people are actually just moving assets around. And and real estate just happens to be caught up in that. Think about it. It's 100%. Right? You work for a company. The stock's up 30%. It went public. It was bought by a SPAC. Who knows, right? All of a sudden, there's cash. You, you've had portfolios like Lee called, said, this was up so much, I took some out. I want to pay off my house with it. We recommended against doing it exactly the way he wanted to do it. But part of the, the reason is there's too much cash in the system right now. For some. For some. There is most certainly, most certainly, if you want to talk about income inequality, which I don't really specifically want to talk about <laughs> on this show. <laughs> but it is it has gotten wider in in the last twenty four months, than it when than you've we've got ever the seen. major cities, the twenty major cities where the price uh, rose roughly twenty percent over the last year, like you think about it, 
if a median price house is $700,000 or $800,000, even you can make interest rates zero and still trying to amortize that over 30 years is a lot of money. It's a lot of money to pay each month. And, and these natural disasters that we saw in the last couple of weeks will only drive home prices up further. Why is that? Because there's a dislocation of so many people and the uh, cost of goods and services, just the supply chain, the, 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 how clunky the supply chain is now. Look, look, we'll see lumber prices go up. We'll see uh, everything in, associated with building a home will go up because of these natural. There, there were substantial natural disasters that all took place in the last month that across the U.S. That's right. That, that will drive home prices. But really, I think one way to look at real estate, and whether you're looking at buying a personal residence or second residence or vacation home, if y- 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 the same way we'll, we'll talk about stock market, think about it's got to be at least five years or more. You need to think of the same thing right now before you go and buy a house in a market because... How long are you going to live there? Yes. How, how long are you plan on owning it? Because we, what we know is things go through cycles... Uh, the last time it was a pretty significant downward cycle on real estate prices. Nobody can predict what the future is going to happen. I think most would say the odds of seeing something like that again are quite slim. But there's no reason you couldn't buy a house and have it be stagnant for five years or depreciate slightly. Oh, uh, there, most certainly. My wife and I were married in 1992. The first house we bought, we bought a house right when we were married um, for 202000 or 212000 something like that. We paid less for it. It was uh, three years old. We paid less for it than the people who were the first owners of the house who had bought it three years prior. We sold it two years thereafter for less than we paid for it. Five-year period of time in Northern California, nice suburb of Northern California. That was the early 90s. And so the financial crisis isn't the only time we have downward real estate prices. Yes. That's what was my point was there. Yes. Anyway, we are short on time here, and we apologize we didn't get back to the calls, but we were entertaining ourselves talking about real estate here. Um, but hey, our featured article on our website right now is our three required minimum distribution strategies to help you keep more of your money. Um, that's one of them. And then we also have one uh, featured article on cryptocurrency 101. So if, if you subscribe to our newsletter, if you don't, I encourage you to do so. Go to allworthfinancial.com. It comes out every um, Saturday and it's got a couple good topics uh, each, each week. Uh, and then some of the ones that get clicked on the most, we will have uh, as our featured articles. But uh, the requirement of distribution strategy, I think, is probably helpful for, for many. Anyway, we're out of time. It's been great being with you. We'll see you again next next week. This has been All Worth Financial's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. This program has been brought to you by All Worth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.